Happy Monday, all you Gamecocks out there. It's ITG Daily inside the Gamecocks Daily. I'm J.C. Sherbert. Good to be with you today. Uh, after an entertaining weekend, I guess, uh, was there any recruiting news that happened <laughs> this past weekend? Um, and we're going to get right to that. Jordan Birch, five-star Gamecock commitment. Um, you sort of saw this coming when uh, he didn't sign. I, I don't think that I'm extremely surprised uh, that he took visits uh, or they took a visit to LSU unofficially this past weekend. Um, I think LSU's approach with this whole thing's been good. It's been a low-pressure approach. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised. I, you know, I, 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 I looked at the calendar, and I thought, well, it's been really quiet with him the first two weeks of January. Of course, we were in a dead period. The dead period lasted you know, quite a long time this year. Uh, and then there's another one coming up right after the, the next signing day. They continue to tinker with the calendar. Uh, and minimize January recruiting uh, in a lot of ways, so good for them. But um, I think that, uh, you know, I was almost like, well, they're almost out of the woods. Uh, And I was like, uh, with this. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes to Baton Rouge and visits the national champions. And and look, LSU is a great program. Uh, LSU... Coach Orgeron is one of the best recruiters in the country. He has a staff full of very good recruiters. He's especially good at recruiting defensive linemen because that's his specialty. Um, I tend to think maybe if LSU was closer to home, it would be a, 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 a more of a an interesting battle than than you know what it ended up being when he committed. I'll say this too, and, and I'm going to probably piece together an article. Uh, here for the bigspur.com this week maybe maybe not depending on what I'm told but LSU if you, if you hear if you hear people on the LSU end of things saying oh LSU's confident or if Georgia pops up and says they're confident uh, they were both confident heading into the first signing period Georgia was absolutely stunned the kid went to South Carolina um even Clemson was relatively confident up until about a month before he signed. And so what that usually means is nobody's getting a good read on it. Uh, and then in that case, I think the stronger, longer theory applies and the relationships and the maybe home field advantage or, or whatever you want to call it, that, that usually benefits the home team. Now, I'm not saying... You know, I'm not saying he won't go to LSU because obviously, when you visit a school this late uh, and you do it unofficially, pay your own way down there, you, you have some interest. I mean, there's no other way around it. You know, there's talk that they promised Ed Orgeron they'd visit if they won the national championship, and you know, I think that's very plausible. I think that's a very plausible uh, scenario. But, hey, well, you know, they won the national title. We promised him we'd go. Let's things are a little boring, you know. <laughs> Let's take a trip. Uh, he and his mom, um, and that's very plausible. But I, I, I don't think that you can just gloss it over and, and chalk it up to that, considering you know what program you're dealing with um, and the momentum they have. Keep in mind too, though, they lost their defensive coordinator, Dave Aranda. Uh, they've lost a bunch of coaches. They've lost a bunch of players, um, and transition sometimes can hurt you uh, when you're trying to recruit. Uh, 
the top players in the country. You know, transition sometimes is not a great thing. So uh, we'll see kind of what happens there. But I, you know, a player of his caliber not signing, waiting, not surprised. You know, everybody was recruiting him right up until the end. When you have a disbelief on the part of the other finalists that he went to South Carolina, that means they maybe sensed that the commitment was not that strong and that they can turn him because coaches don't waste their time, you know. Uh, And so I think that, uh, you know, all the signs and the tea leaves, you know, add up to, you know, having some moderate concern uh, if you're South Carolina. Because uh, you did finish four and eight last year, you know you've retooled the roster. Muschamp is safe for now, um, but you know the, there are some concerns about South Carolina as a program, and, and we've talked about that. You know that's what when you have a year like you had last year, and you know you're dealing with with a coaching hire that you know when it was made was not the most popular one. Um, and I'll say this about that on that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a fact. It wasn't the most popular hire. Um, I will say this, that, you know, whoever it was going to be at South Carolina, you know, you're not – I mean, you were talking like a program that had in 17 and a half years or 16 and a half years, almost 17 years, uh, two coaches, two coaching searches – one, they targeted Lou Holtz, they ended up with Lou Holtz. The next one, they targeted Steve Spurrier and ended up with Steve Spurrier. So that's almost a two-decade span or a decade-and-a-half span plus where your entire fan base is just used to you going and hiring a huge name. And so Will Muschamp, whoever, that was not going to be, you know, there wasn't going to be this great consensus like there was for Lou or Steve Spurrier. Uh, and that's the bottom line. And then you throw on the fact that he was the Florida coach. Um, and, yeah, Gamecock fan did not work out there. And the Gamecock fans, you know, uh, have some questions. And so you, you add all that up, and in year four, the bottom falls out a little bit. And uh, you're going to face some headwinds, especially around Columbia. So, you know, that's just the bottom line. Now, you know, what does that mean, J.C.? Does that mean that, you know, you think Birch is going to end up at LSU? No. Uh, I don't think that because based on what I know and what I found out about how it all went down, you know, the last month of his recruitment, South Carolina was getting him. I mean, we heard it from different people. We didn't want to believe it, but we heard it, and it was it was accurate. You know, hey, Birch is going to go to Carolina. Uh, and I, and I, I don't know why Georgia was stunned they didn't get him. I don't know why LSU was somewhat surprised they didn't get him. But, you know, folks kind of connected to that situation from, you know, about a month. Like, right, it was probably right before the Clemson game when we started hearing this. And it was accurate, you know. So the same kind of tea leaves you have to read, intel you get right now, still say, yeah, he's going to go to South Carolina. So we'll see what happens. I, I – um I tend to believe that, you know, the Gamecocks will be happy uh, next Wednesday. They'll sign him. I think that's uh, that, that's my gut feeling right now. If I had to, if I had to crystal ball it, uh, I'm not putting in a flip pick on the crystal ball or anything like that. I mean, I think that's the thing. Now, new information could come to light. As we all know, we've seen things change with players quickly. 
Reggie Grimes sort of comes to mind. I mean, all of a sudden he was going to Oklahoma, and that was that. I mean, and that was it. So, you know, that can change. Things can change. Um, Reggie Grimes, of course, is a player from Nashville, uh, and, and that's a little bit further from home, you know. And, and I understand the when you have a relationship with the coaching staff and you're worried about them not being there and you're going seven hours from home. And I've made that drive from Nashville to Columbia many times. <laughs> and uh, there's no easy way to get there. If they had a highway, if I-24 ran straight through Chattanooga, straight through northern Georgia, and straight through the upstate of South Carolina, and you could hook up to 26 in Spartanburg or somewhere, uh, it'd be more like a four-and-a-half-hour drive. But you got to either go through Atlanta or go through the mountains, and it's six-and-a-half, seven. And so, you know, knowing that, uh, my understanding and, and, uh, of the situation is that Grimes probably made the right decision. I mean, Lincoln Riley going to the pros or not, you're at Oklahoma. You know, they need defensive linemen. Uh, I tend to think they can use him on offense. I think Grimes could end up being a really good offensive player uh, given his size and speed. But, um, you know, I get it. I got that. This is a different story because this is a Columbia kid. Uh, this is a kid who's home. This is a kid who has a good relationship with the coaching staff, but also has a good relationship with other people at the University of South Carolina. Um, I I think that proximity when you're dealing with college football recruiting still matters. Although we're seeing uh, it matter less these days. Uh, I think Clemson got a got the guy that's ranked number one right now for 2021 out of California. So. You know, South Carolina has a quarterback from California now. Uh, there is a sort of West Coast exodus going on right now, which is concerning for the Pac-12. But, you know, being closer to home still matters. Uh, and it's still inherently more difficult to get, you know, a guy out of, some, out of somebody's backyard, especially in the SEC. So I, I, I still, you know, like I said, you can't rule anything out. It's recruiting. There are no 100% locks. I'll never forget Travian Robertson when he committed. Uh, one of the folks that covered Clemson, who's a friend of mine, said 100% to Clemson. And then at that point, I knew he'd probably end up at South Carolina because you never say you never go 100%. It's just not. There's no such thing. Even when they sign nowadays, you have guys that sign – go through a spring practice then jump in the portal and in some cases then they go back and looking at uh, the brew mccoy kid out of california went from south southern cal to texas and then back to southern cal it's crazy um so it's not not even when they sign it's not 100 percent, and that's just kind of the transient nature of things these days but I, i still feel based on all i've heard after you know people need to calm down uh in general about it um i haven't looked at social media as far as the reaction to all this i have um i have heard some things and i'm just going to tell you if you're a gamecock fan if you're a fan of lsu if you're a fan of whoever you are not helping the situation when you get on social media and lambast a kid or anybody about recruiting it's just it's not your job uh, very few recruits make decisions positively. In other words, they don't pick a school based on fans uh, acting like their friends uh, on social media. 
Now, I'll say this. When a fan base melts down and some things get quite ugly and personal, uh, you lessen your chances of a kid coming to your school. Um, And when you do it to current players, you increase the chances that they're going to get the heck out um, quickly. So that's just that thing. I know it's not just Gamecock fans that do it. In fact, I think South Carolina fans, for the most part, are very calm uh, on Twitter, uh, which is where the kids usually are. Facebook is a different animal. But just monitoring it over the years and, and knowing what I know about recruiting, you're not helping. You know, you're just not, you know, you sit there and go after the kid on Twitter or even passive-aggressively say things like, oh, you make your own decision, man, but, you know, we'd really like you. Even things like that are just, I mean, you look foolish. And I'm just I'm just telling you, you look foolish in the eyes of the prospect, the, their, the, 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 uh, their parents, their family, their friends, other prospects, coaches. I mean, it just doesn't help. So anyway, that's just a PSA on that uh, as far as if you're out there doing it. Like, like I said, I haven't seen anything that's over the top yet. I've heard about some things. So if you listen to this podcast, take it from me. That's not going to help Jordan Birch come to South Carolina or anywhere um, and with the social media thing. But I, I think I'm probably barking up a tree that I'm never going to climb with that just because it's it's going to happen. I can't stop it. Jordan Birch can't stop it. Coaches in the NCAA can't stop it. Uh, it's just the world we live in. But I'm just uh, straight up telling you that the reality is that you're acting like a clown. If you're on social media tweeting at recruits, I don't care who you're a fan of, you're not helping the process, you're not helping your team, you're not helping your coaching staff, and you're acting like a clown. I was... Uh, I'm saddened um, yesterday by the the passing of Kobe Bryant, and I know that has nothing to do with South Carolina and and all that. But I, I just wanted to briefly talk about it. Um, you know what struck me, and I and I wasn't. I'm not a huge NBA fan. I mean, look, I pulled for the Atlanta Hawks back in the '80s and '90s during the the era of Dominique Wilkins. Needless to say, there's been nothing to cheer about <laughs> in Atlanta for a while. Um, and so I, I kind of pay attention to it here and there. But uh, what struck me is that um, a, uh, in reading about it, you know, the, the one thing that stuck out to me, and this is just kind of a life kind of deal, is everybody talked about, you know, and there was obviously the gratuitous pieces in some of the media outlets that want to bring up the trouble he got into the rape allegations and all that and that's fine i mean you want to do that that's that's fine but everybody though universally even in the piece i read in the daily beast that was you know bringing all the stuff up um talked about how good of a father he was and and it was just so tragic and sad um that he passed the way he did with his daughter going to practice uh you know here's a guy's nba superstar um, that coached kids, uh, gave a lot of his time back to his community, you know, probably didn't have to. Uh, so whether or not you were a fan of Kobe Bryant or not, I think that that's it's a positive thing. You know, a lot of people, when you die, you know, they don't really write, you know, beloved basketball superstar on your tombstone or beloved uh, internet guy that covered the Gamecocks well or um, – beloved you know lawyer or whatever they say 
husband, father, and friend. And, um, you know, I think that's what it's all about. So, anyway, there's no lesson here. It's just uh, if you're a father and you're a family man and you're out there, um, you know, and you feel like you're doing a great job and you make that a priority in your life, hats off to you. You know, that just kind of made me think of all the folks out there that are members of our site on the Big Spur and that – you know, listen to our podcast and, and, and support us, uh, you know, how what great family people they are. Uh, and there's a lot of people like that in the Gamecock Nation. I mean, Gamecock football, um, you know, people wonder why we love it like we do. Um, we love it because it's family, you know. Uh, the earliest memories, I mean, I had great memories with my dad, who died in 1995, going to Carolina football games. I mean, we went – to the 1987 Carolina-Miami game in the Orange Bowl. It was one of the greatest experiences. I think I was, what, 10, 11? And, uh, you know, that was a great game and a great memory. And uh, so I think with with regards to this fan base and my audience and, you know, even if you pull for another team, Clemson or whoever, it's all about family. And I think that uh, I think that that's, you know, as we look and reflect on the Kobe Bryant deal, you know, that's what stood out to me was the, the, the talk and the positive speaking about what kind of family man he was. Uh, and that impacted me. I thought, you know, that's, you know, you kind of think about, you know, well, what's your legacy going to be and all that. Of course, I don't, you know, my legacy's on the big spur dot com. Uh, and uh, you think about the fact that, you know, it's how you impact other people that, that, that in the end, you know, that's what matters. So. That's my thought there on Kobe Bryant. We're going to stick with basketball. The Gamecocks, um, you know, good win. I don't know that Vanderbilt's all that good. I feel bad for Jerry Stackhouse <laughs> in a way because, uh, you know, they weren't very they weren't great to begin with. And without Neesmith, they're just kind of punchless. You know, I think Saban Lee's a pretty good player. I think they've got some good young guys, but um, – Let's just establish that Vandy is not good, but let's also establish the fact that South Carolina this year has had games against teams that aren't very good uh, that they've struggled against um, and struggled to beat or struggled to, uh, you know, didn't beat Stetson and Boston U (laughs) come to mind. But we have to move forward. You know, I I felt like last week – you know, the Boston U and Stetson games are relevant. And I think the one-point loss to Tennessee is killing them, too. Uh, and it's tough to have to sit here and talk about it, but you have to because that's what's that's what's hurting right now. You know, you're, you're looking at a team that's 13-6 and six that's probably, you know, they moved up to how, – how this happened, I don't know. They were 101st going into the weekend in the net after the loss to Auburn. Then they jumped to 89th, you know, 12 spots. I don't know if, like, some of the wins in the SEC Big 12 Challenge had something to do with that. Kentucky won on the road at Texas Tech. Auburn beat Iowa State. LSU probably wouldn't count because the Gamecocks haven't played them yet. LSU won at Texas. Um, So I don't know if that impacted it or what, but the Gamecocks moved back up to 89th. Um, And they have a big game again, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday night. SEC Network um, and Arkansas is up in the 20s uh, in the net ranking. They're uh, 28th, I think. So it's a, it's an opportunity for South Carolina to go get a big road win. Um, and um, 
you know, yet another one. Uh, we're three games away from the midway point in the SEC. I think it's imperative the Gamecocks get to five and four um, at a minimum. Uh, anything less than that, it's going to be very difficult the second half of the season. I've said this. Uh, so it's at Arkansas, then Missouri at home, then at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not very good, but they had a big win at Georgia. You know, Georgia surprised me with – you know, their wins and losses, you know, because they've been competitive and played well at times, and then at other times they've just – I mean, big win over Tennessee, and then at other times, like against Ole Miss, they just – they couldn't get it done, losing 70-60 to 60 in Athens to the Rebels. Um, so you hope Ole Miss isn't getting hot right now because you got to go out to Oxford, and that's going to be a, uh, a difficult – you know, it's always difficult to go out there, but it, it'll be a difficult one to drop. So you need two out of the next three. If you can get three out of the next three, as the old saying goes, and you're 14 and eight overall, six and three in the league, you're cooking with grease at that point. Because then, you know, seven and two the second half, uh, that's doable, I think. I think the, the Mississippi State games, the Georgia game on the road, Bama on the road, LSU at home, those are the, the, the potential potholes. But this team's capable of doing that. Um, and you get seven and two. You're thirteen. And, I think thirteen and five gets Carolina in the NCAA tournament, and, and you know without having to do anything in Nashville. Twelve and six, depending on the blend of wins and losses, is certainly possible. Eleven and seven, I think they're going to have to win in Nashville. Um, that's just my take because that's nineteen. They're nineteen and twelve. You get to twenty and twelve. That's probably something that. Uh, that could happen you know I thought uh, Alonzo Frank was really happy for him you know 13 points uh, in the game got a lot of playing time all that stuff Coats are had some foul trouble uh, Jalen McCrary 11 points five boards you know so those guys in the post played pretty well again Vandy's not all that good but uh, those guys in the post played well Justin Manaya double double 14 points 12 rebounds he's been really playing uh He's been more productive, let's just say. He always plays hard and hustles, uh, but he's been more productive. So I think Justin Minaya is a big key moving forward just with kind of how he plays. And he can hit a three. He's a good rebounder. Um, really helps in the rebounding department. Uh, you know, and he's going to be a key part coming back along with Cousinard and Lawson and Bolden. Uh, I think Lawson and Bolden hit double figures on Saturday night as well. So, you know, maybe a get-well game. You, you didn't want that Auburn game to linger. You just wanted to get right back at it. It's good to get back on the saddle and go get a 26-point home win uh, against the Commodores. Uh, and then, you know, it got you to, you know, 3-3, three and three, back to even uh, in the league. And, and then that net ranking has, has come up some, up to 89. Jacari Caldwell, back to football recruiting, wide receiver from Northwestern, um, visits this weekend, still feel really good about the Gamecocks position there. I think he's a really good player. Um, Crystal Ball remains on South Carolina. He's supposed to officially visit this weekend along with Jordan Birch. So that's going to be something to watch this week uh, as we look at the official visits because, you know, you got Birch and Caldwell. Those are basically your two guys that you're trying to get. You know, Tony and I have talked about Zaquandre White, the running back from Juco. Why can't I say that? Um, and then there's some other potential guys out there that we'll get into. But I think uh, I think those two guys are must-gets. Um this late in terms of momentum you know one player never makes it or breaks it but you lose Jordan Birch at this point it's it's not good and the the team that I think 
you know, would have the shot at Caldwell would be Tennessee, and you never want to lose a kid like that to the SEC East rivals. I had a big spiel about that the other day. So those are more recruiting notes uh, as we move forward to the final official visit weekend this weekend. And we'll have more of that coming up on the podcast this week. Uh, this one's going to be a little short today um, because I just got to what I was going to get to quickly. But uh, we'll have more. Don't forget ITG Daily each and every weekday. And then on Wednesday, we got the Inside Football Show with Tony and myself. Um, well, the reason I'm cutting it short is because I am recording the J.C. and Morgan podcast, which is a college football podcast with myself and Mike Morgan. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of topics today. Mike Morgan used to be at South Carolina, now with the ESPN and the SEC Network. If you love college football podcasts and great takes on things and, and stuff like that, you know I, I think it's a good one. We get great feedback from the J.C. and Morgan podcast, and I love doing it. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, just about anywhere you want it, the J.C. and Morgan College Football Podcast. We do talk a little Gamecocks there, obviously, because we're both very familiar with the program. Um, and it's mostly SEC, ACC. Uh, we get into some Pac-12 and some big picture stuff, but it's mostly that. All right, so check us out. Check this out tomorrow. Uh, check out the J.C. and Morgan podcast, which will drop later today. And hope all you Gamecocks have a wonderful Monday, and we'll talk to you soon.